The Bible said in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 23, by faith Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents because they saw he was a proper child and they were not afraid of the king's commandment. If I was you, I'd underline that if I was a mom and dad. Verse 24, by faith Moses, when he was come to years, I'd underline that if I were you. And then I would circle the word refused. When he was come to years, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Verse 25, choosing, I would circle choosing, rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy. And I would just kind of mark that little word enjoy, the pleasures of sin for a season. I'd underline that. Verse 26, esteeming, I would circle the word esteeming. These are great, these are individual specific uh, actions that Moses took in his life. Esteeming the reproach of Christ, and if there's anything you want to underline, today's message, underline that. Esteeming the reproach of Christ, greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. For he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. Verse 27, by faith, he forsook, I would circle forsook. By faith, he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king. For he endured, and I would circle endured, as seeing him who is invisible. And certainly you'd want to underline seeing him who is invisible. Through faith, he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest he that destroyed the firstborn should touch them. And by faith, they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land, which the Egyptians are saying to do were drowned. Now I want you to keep that passage of scripture there and I want to go to Acts chapter 7. Brother Stephen is preaching in Acts chapter 7 and he's rehearsing the history of the Old Testament and, and the journey of faith and the heroes of faith. Verse number 20 of Acts chapter 7, he said, in which time Moses was born. And was exceeding fair and nourished up in his father's house three months. And when he was cast out, Pharaoh's daughter took him up and nourished him for her own son. As a result of that, the Bible says in verse 22, And Moses was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was mighty in words and in deeds. Verse 23 gives you a glimpse into the heart of Moses. And when he was full 40 years old, now back in our previous text, it said when he was come to years. Evidently, he was 40 years old when he came to years. I don't think that necessarily means that you'll be 40 before you come to years. It might be 15. It might be 25. I pray it's not 60. But he was full 40 years, it says. It came into his heart to visit his brethren, the children of Israel. Now it goes on there. Let's go back to Acts chapter 11. It goes on and tells you about there some great truths to be learned there that God doesn't operate through human violence. He operates through the power of God and faith. Moses wanted to deliver the children of Israel through violence. And God said, we ain't doing it that way. 
Uh, when you're in Hebrews chapter 11, Jack Chick says that every Christian ought to read daily Hebrews chapter 11 and 1 Corinthians 13. Hebrews 11 is a chapter on faith. It's the hall of heroes and faith in the Bible. And by the way, you cannot rightly understand the lives of the people in the Old Testament without it. It's going to tell you things about those people and about what happened to them that you will not get reading just their account in the Old Testament. God's going to tell you things that he did not reveal back then. He revealed in Hebrews 11. It's a hall of fame for heavenly heroes. It's Bible tells us it's written for our learning. It's also written for our hope and our encouragement, our guidance and our direction and our wisdom. It is God's word and revelation on these people. And Moses is listed in these list of people in the Old Testament. And Moses probably, as far as I'm concerned, is one of the greatest human beings that ever lived outside of Jesus Christ. John chapter 1 and verse 17 says, For the law came by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. You get your name in the same verse Jesus in, you've done something. His life, though, is a picture and a portrait of the life and journey of a person that's saved or that gets saved from his birth to his death. Hebrews 11 gives us a brief but very concise guide, concise light and wisdom about the realities of our lives. I'm not here to entertain you this morning. I'm here to preach the word of God. Amen. He's going to give you several key concepts of the Christian faith for the individual. And it is all done, the Bible said there, through and by faith. The just shall live by faith. Four times the Bible said. In some sense, every pastor, every true pastor is a Moses. And God wants that pastor to get all of those people under his care and under his influence, under the blood and out of Egypt. Now get that. Moses' job was, was to get them under the blood, saved, and then get them out of Egypt. But it was further than that, was to get them into Canaan land. Moses had more trouble with that than he had with the rest of it. He didn't even get there himself during that earthly time. I want to remind you that Moses was not perfect. Moses got mad, irritated, upset, frustrated, aggravated. Got angry and smote the rock when he's supposed to speak to it. And that kept him out of the promised land. God didn't say, well, you're Moses, so I'm going to let that go. And it's more required of the pastor than it is of the people. The Bible said in verse 11, chapter 11, verse 23, that his parents hid him three months. They were not afraid of the king's commandments. I tell you, we need uh, some people in America right now who's not going to be afraid of Joe Biden's edicts and mandates. Amen. I don't think the government has a right to tell you you've got to be vaccinated. And I don't care whether you like it or not. If you want to get vaccinated, that's fine. Help yourself. But I don't think the government's got any business of telling me what I should put inside my body. If they can tell me that, then what else can they tell? I like what the Supreme Court said the other day. Said, can you mandate flu shots? Can you mandate every other kind of shot? If you can mandate this, what is it that you can't mandate? And I'm thankful that we had a Supreme Court. And I thank God for Donald Trump that he appointed those people that throwed that thing around. But I will say this to you that government can get out of hand and we've got a government out of hand. And I'm not preaching on that this morning, but parents need to be alert 
to what is biblical and what's not biblical. And don't be afraid of the government's commands when they violate scripture. There's a lot that you can learn about Moses' mom and dad. There's a great typology in this, and that is that number one, Egypt in the Bible is always a picture of this world and its world systems. Pharaoh in Egypt is a type of Satan. He's a picture, Pharaoh's a picture of the devil holding sinners in bondage, slavery. Pharaoh's daughter, though, who is Pharaoh's daughter? Because the Holy Ghost didn't record that Moses said that he refused to be a son of Pharaoh or a grandson of Pharaoh. He said he refused to be the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Anytime in Scripture when a woman is brought into the play of Scripture reading in reference and typology, it usually is speaking of religion. The Bible says speak, that uh, those who sat at Jezebel's table, Jezebel had prophets. She was a picture of false religion. Pharaoh's daughter is a picture of a religious system. Did you know that even atheism is a religion? Secular humanism, which is supposedly atheistic in its ideology, even the Supreme Court has recognized, is a religion, whether they do or not. You see, a religion is a belief system, a philosophy of life, or belief patterns that you believe and practice and behave under. And so Pharaoh's daughter is a type of the world and its religion, its philosophies, and its way of life. I first of all this morning want to note, bring to you something about Moses, and I want to preach on the subject, refusing to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter in verse 24. The Bible said Moses, when he was come to years, in verse 24, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Now, this Sunday is my 40th year. 40 years ago tomorrow, the 24th, I'll have surrendered to preach. It was on a Sunday night. And this passage of scripture that I'm preaching on today, to me, reflects more about God saving me, God calling me, and God dealing with me in the ministry all of these 40 years than any other passage of scripture I know. I was 28 when I came to years. The Bible says that when he came to years, there's something happened inside him. And that's something that happened inside him was that he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. See, the reality of it was he was not her son. He was the son of Hebrews. He belonged to God. And in a great sense, every person created by creative right and redemption right belongs to God. God has a right to you and I. And though I belong to the world... From ages, the time I was born to the time I was 28 years of age, there came a time when something moved inside my soul and inside my spirit. And I said to myself, I refuse to be any longer called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. You need to figure out before you die who you are and who you are not. Don't go through life never having figured out and determined who you are and who you're not. That's one of the most foolish, stupid, idiotic, cowardly things you'll ever do. Trials will come and God sends them to let us know who we are and who we're not. 
And I'd like for you to ask yourself a question right now. Who really am I? Who really and honestly before God Almighty, not before my parents, not before my spouse, not before my children, not before my people I know in church, but who am I really before God Almighty? Almighty? This is what happened to Moses. He came to himself. You'll find that phrase also with the prodigal son. And when he came to himself, and it says when he come to years, he came to himself and said, you know, who am I really? Am I Pharaoh's daughter's son? Am I a grandson of Pharaoh? Am I a child of this world? Who do I belong to? Now I want to tell you something. This is a turning point in his life. And I'm asking you this morning to make some decisions just like Pharaoh made. That Moses made. And I'm going to ask you this morning to do the same thing. To refuse. To get a holy unction in you. Maybe even on the edge of anger. That I will no longer be cowed down to this world. That I will no longer be fearful of this world. And be enslaved by this world and its sin and its ways and its philosophies. And I'm going to refuse from this point on in my life to be the son of Pharaoh's daughter. To determine, first of all, that you'll refuse to be controlled and conform to this world. To be submissive to its demands on how you act and dress and think and talk and walk. To refuse to be conformed to this world and its systems. To refuse to bow to the council culture and the wokeism and the religious culture even of our day. The second thing he did was not only said, I'm going to refuse to be her daughter, but that moved to many other things. The first issue of saying, I refuse to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, that forced a choice. And the Bible said that he at that point, when he came to that place, he said, no longer am I letting Satan and sin in this world determine who I am. And I'm refusing that. That forced a choice. And the Bible said in the next verse, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. And I want you to know something. This was no easy choice or no little light thing. He was in line to the throne of the greatest country world power the world knew at that time. He was in line to Pharaoh's throne. You talk about position, prosperity and possessions and power. He had it at his fingertips. You can see Pharaoh's daughter bringing him into Pharaoh. Here's Moses. Here's my, oh, that's my grandson. You're going to be on the throne one of these days. You're going to have all the wealth of Egypt someday. Make sure he gets Egypt good and ingrained in his brain. Make sure that Egypt is in his heart. I want to remind you of something. A lot of people say, well, Moses was raised down in Egypt and it didn't turn out too bad. Can I tell you something? It took God 40 years to wash Egypt out of his heart and his mind back in the wilderness. I've been preaching now 40 years and I want to tell you an honest truth. The garbage and the filth and the stupidity and the wisdom of this world has not yet been totally washed out of my soul. I say in shame. 
But he chose some things. He's chose to suffer affliction with the people of God. And can I say to you, you may say, well, I'm going to refuse to be called a son of Pharaoh's daughter. But will you choose to suffer affliction with the people of God rather than choose rather than enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season? Are you willing to take in America our little oh, oh, we don't even know last night. And I thank Hannah for this. She showed Karen and I the documentary on Richard Warmbrun. And I think we'll show it to the church. But he stood before the Congress and Senate here in the United States back in the late 50s when the Cold War was going on and took his shirt off right up there and sitting before the committees and the congressmen and senators of the United States and showed them where the communists in those dark cells below ground for eight years tore his body up, tortured him, pulled him apart. He showed them the marks on his body. You want to know what communism is? You want to know what a country without Christ is like? You want to know what these socialists, you want to know what Biden and his bunch is after? They're after that. This week, 57% of Democrat voters said that they think you should be under house arrest if you won't get vaccinated. That's Nazism. That's communism. Further than that, they also said that they think if you still refuse, that you should be put in some kind of a detention center. That's concentration camps, folks. We're not playing with some little diggle here. We're dealing with the same old Egypt, the same old Pharaoh, the same old devil, and the same wicked garbage out of hell. That's what we're dealing with right now in America. And Warren Brandt stood there. And by the way, Hannah, I just want you to know something. It was God ordained. You didn't know what I was preaching on this morning. It was God ordained I watched that last night. And I came back home and I said, God, you brought this thing together. And he showed the punctures and the tears and the rips and the holes in his back and his shoulders pulling him apart. And he said, you think you want socialism? You think you want communism? You better wake up. Why did I get this? What? Why did they do this to me? Because I preached Jesus Christ. Now you want to, I'm going to tell you something. You listen to me. You say, I'm going to refuse. I'm not going to serve. You're going to make some choices in. To suffer affliction with the people of God or to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. There is enjoyment in sin. There is pleasure in sin, but it's only for a season. And the world knows this. And what they're asking you to do is to sell out for a season. For a little enjoyment, a little pleasure to sell out Jesus Christ. And Moses, I tell you what, this is so powerful. You're going to have to choose. Joshua said to the children of Israel, choose ye this day whom ye will serve. I'm not talking about choose to go to church. That's cheap. You're coming to church is cheap. If that's all you're doing. But when you're out there in real life, when you've got to take a stand and it's going to cost you money and it's going to cost you business and it's going to cost you friends, and it's going to cost you a family. Are you willing to suffer affliction with the people of God rather than enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season? Joshua said, choose you this day whom you will serve. It's a shame in America that we don't have some men like Joshua. He didn't look over and say, honey, what do you think we ought to do? 
You do not record in your Bible him looking over to Mrs. Joshua and asking her what she, do you think we ought to go to church today? Think we ought to have family devotion? Think we ought to stand? No, we had men who led. And by the way, America was founded by men who would lead their families. Elijah said to the nation of Israel, how long halt ye between two opinions? If God's God, worship him. If Baal's God, worship him. But quit this business of riding the fence. You're going to choose somebody. Jesus Christ finished it off when he said, no man can serve two masters. You'll hate the one, love the other. Hate the one, love the other. Said you can't serve two masters. That's absolutely, God's got it written in the universe. You ain't going to do it. It was no small decision. Now you say, Reggie, how did he make this decision? Look at the next thing. Now, I was going back up here and just say something to you. Whether you realize it or not, you're sitting in and listening to some of the greatest eternal truths of the Word of God you're ever going to hear in your life. And you can sit there and possum and belly it off and flip it off a little bit and stuff like that if you want to. You, you, you're going to choose. Or you can say, you know what? I'm going to let this message from God's word change my life for eternity. And here's how he made that choice. He said in verse 26, he chose that because he esteemed something. Now, what does it mean to esteem? It means to lift up high, to consider it worthy, to consider it valuable. All right. He esteemed the reproach of Christ. Greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. And this is what he did. He had respect unto the recompense of the reward. Now right here's some of the greatest wisdom right in that verse you're ever going to set your eyes on. Moses just didn't flip around and say, eh, I think I'll do this. He said, you know what? What has eternal value and what has temporal value? If I go with the temporal value, I could be king of Egypt I could have untold wealth, uncountable wealth. I could have every pleasure that's possible to, the, to a man on the face of the earth. I could have all the power humanly possible. But he said, I'm going to weigh it up against eternity. And I'm going to tell you a little tr- secret this morning about me. Do you know why I'm still in the ministry 40 years on the human side, apart from the, just the flat out grace of God? It's because I've weighed it up. I have literally said, is it worth this or is it worth that? And if you weigh it up and you esteem, watch this, he esteemed something, he held high something, the reproach of Christ. And this is where he gets you. This is why you see it's more than, oh, well, I'm going to refuse. No, you know, everybody in this building that's of any age at all knows that there's reproach comes with really standing with God. And you don't want the reproach of Christ. You don't want to really, oh, you don't mind saying you go to church. But do you really want to be identified with Jesus Christ and the reproach of that? Why don't you do that? Why don't you go to the casino with us? Because I'm a Christian. I don't want to reproach Christ. I don't want to hear his name. Why don't you commit fornication? Why don't you commit adultery? Why don't you do this? Why don't you do that? Because I'm a Christian. I don't want to bring reproach to Christ. Now, this world, watch this, reproaches Jesus Christ. If you don't think so, take a trip into your local public school. 
sit down in the class and say, do y'all teach evolution here? Did y'all know that's a big fat lie? Did y'all know Jesus Christ created us? And you kids, you're going to walk in these schools and these universities. You know what? You, you dare raise your hand to, and the, when he's up there telling you all this garbage, anti-American, anti-bill, you dare raise your hand and say something. And they go, and all the kids will turn around and look at you like you're an idiot. You know what they're doing? They're council culturing you right there. They're conforming you to wokeism. Oh, you wear a dress? What are you, some nun? You know what that is? That's bearing reproach for Jesus' sake. And nobody wants to do it. You're a fanatic. You're an oddball. You don't don't need to be that way just because you're a Christian. You don't need to take a stand for Jesus Christ. We don't want to bear that reproach. You're with a bunch of guys. You're just, you got away from home finally. You're a bunch of guys and first thing you know, man, somebody drags out six pack. They hand it to you. No, thank you. you. Play with me a little bit, okay? Just pedal on me. We mean no thank you. Here's a beer, man. I don't drink. (laughs) You don't drink. Now, let me just tell you something. I'm not staging here. I've had this done to me. One of the worst fights I nearly ever got in my life was over that right there, sitting at a place in Springfield when I was in college. What are you, some kind of Catholic priest or something? Even they drink, you know. Come on, man. I said no. I don't drink. Did you know what? I was sitting across the deal from a guy. One time did that. I said, I don't drink. And to my shame, later on I did. A couple of years later, I started drinking. But at that time, I didn't drink. I said, listen, but you know what I should have said? I should have said, I'm a Christian, I don't drink. But I didn't say that because I didn't want to bear the reproach of Christ. Right. So I said, I don't drink. And he looked at me all of a sudden and got real sweet. And he said, by the way, this guy is uh, the guy that used to be in a muscle man deal. He's from Kansas City. His name is uh, Skeeth. And he was an SMS muscle man. Now, I'm not talking about kind of. I'm talking about arms big, bigger around than my legs. I don't even know how many hundred pounds he could bench press and all that stuff. He looked at me and says, tonight you're going to drink. Now, I'm just a guinea hillbilly. But you don't say that to me. <laughs> Not because I'm a nice guy. I'll cut your guts out. Now, I had an A&W mug in my hand. I took it just like that. I said, you don't tell me what to do or not to do. I said, I'll bust this thing open. You wish you'd never met me. Now, I ain't saying that to be smart. In fact, that was kind of stupid, probably. <laughs> but I'm going to tell you something. I wish to God I'd had, I wished I'd cared about Jesus as much as I did my own pride. I want to ask you young people. You ready, are you willing to bear the reproach of Christ? Are you willing to be identified with him and bear his reproach? In Hebrews chapter 13, it says this, that the, the camp, he said, that, he said, let us, he said, Jesus, watch this. Did you know Jesus lived outside the camp the entire time he lived on this earth? 
And the Bible said that he was crucified outside the gate. They wouldn't even crucify him inside where the temple compound was out there. They took him outside the gate. And you know what the Bible says? Let us therefore go unto him without the gate. You're going to have to be willing to go outside the, the acceptance and the approval and the world liking you and thinking you're wonderful. And you're going to have to bear the reproach of Jesus Christ. This is the choice. And he said, I've chosen to bear the reproach of Jesus Christ. What did he esteem? He said, I refuse to be the son of Pharaoh's daughter. I choose to suffer affliction. But he said, God's telling you something. If you make these choices, if you refuse and you choose, you're going to bear reproach. Reproach means that you're censured. You're held in contempt. You're held in derision. You will be shamed. You will be disgraced. You will be scorned and mocked and belittled. Watch this. The world uses reproach to drive and thrust you into obedience and submission to their every whim and philosophy and belief. Somebody told me you go to Liberty Faith Church. Is that right? How do you stand being around that idiot that's a preacher of her? He preaches against Sodom. He preached against gay. What's wrong with gay? I mean, people got a right to be what they want to be. The Bible says it's wrong. The Bible says it's wrong. That's a perfect answer. Amen. But here's what I'm saying is, did you know a lot of people, well, I'm going to tell you something. You go along with, you, you, you go along with Kelly down there preaching that stuff. Do you go along with that? I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to take my car someplace else. You'll never get a dime's bit of my business. In fact, I'll tell you further, I will tell everybody I know not to bring their trucks here. That's what reproach is. Yes. That's what cow, trying to cow people down is. Yes. This is the most serious stuff you're going to get. This is, why, this is why the church is losing the cultural warfare in America. Because we're not willing to bear the reproach of Jesus Christ. It wants to bring you into submission. And I'm, here's what I want to ask you right now. I want you to be thinking, have I been buckled into submission? Ask yourself that question. The world uses reproach to drive you into, first of all, to drive you into its own arms, into its, its acceptance, its tolerance, and then into submission, and then into total obedience. The council culture that, and the wokeism that you and I are dealing with right now, every day of our life in this country, is simply the world using the reproach of Christ to counsel out truth and righteousness in this land. To make you shut up and to be silent in the face of their lies. To make you bend the knee. To make you fold your hands. To make you bow your head and say, yes, master. The world says to you, watch this, wear this. Yes, I'll wear that. The world says, pierce your body. I'll pierce it. The world says, tattoo yourself. I'll tell you, I'm going to do it. I promise you, I'm going to do it. I promise you, I'm going, I'm going to tattoo myself. I'm going to pierce my ears. Do you want me to color my hair? What do you want me to do? I want your approval. Your approval and acceptance is the most important thing in the world to me. Please, please accept me. Approve me. Well, what do you want me to do? Be a queer. Oh, okay, I'll be a queer. Some of you think that's where you're headed. Let me tell you why it's where you're headed. Because you ain't said no yet to the world. 
You believe they want, they'll make you shut your mouth. It comes up in the class or discussion at work or school or wherever you may be. You're afraid to say anything against sodomites. You know it. You're a coward. You're right now. You're a stinking coward. You're nothing. You'll sit there and say nothing. And your silence gives consent. And the reason you say nothing is because you've never refused to be the daughter of the son of Pharaoh's daughter. You've never chose to. You've never esteemed the reproach of Christ. Greater riches than all this world can give you. You've never weighed the temporal against the eternal. So, sorry, low-down parents in this country. Oh, you used to be against everything like that till your child became that. And now if somebody says something, judge not that you be not judged, you make me sick. You make God sick. Because you're using his word to justify your wickedness. You're resting the scriptures to the Bible says to your own destruction. Send your children to the temple of Baal public school. Bound do it. Oh, how you long and love the acceptance, the approval, the admiration. The world knows something the church needs to learn. There's power in reproach. Even children know it. Young people know it. A look, a gesture, a comment of reproach can twist somebody and make them, make them do anything from act different to conduct themselves. You know, if, if he is a young man and he wants the acceptance of his buddies, and he wants their approval. Can I tell you, you are not going to escape this. You are going to be hit with this. When you come to years, you're going to make a decision, who am I? I say I'm a Christian. I say I've been saved. Oh, I got saved when I was seven. Oh, really? You said your little prayer? And I'm not against that. And maybe you are. But maybe you just need to learn some things. There's time to stand up in America. Hey, we're past the point of where just kind of let it go. It'll all work out. No, it ain't going to all work out. Amen. How do you conquer reproach from the world? By having respect under the recompense of the reward. He saw into eternity. He traded off the marbles of this world for the diamonds of eternity and lived in the light of it. And he weighed the reward of serving God against that of serving the world. And then he did something. Verse number 27. First of all, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to suffer affliction with the people of God. Man, I'm telling you what, just before I get away from this, I I got to I was watching this film last night. Richard Warburn and his wife were both Jews, atheistic Jews. They were atheist Jews. They got married. And he was a stockbroker in Europe and in Romania. They were making big, big bucks at that time. They were in the high elite society, the party society. He got tuberculosis and they moved into another area. And in that area, there was a man, an old Christian man who had prayed that God would help him lead Jews to Jesus Christ. And he had never led one to Jesus yet. And God moved Richard Rambert into his life. And he began to tell him about Jesus and challenge him to read the Bible. And Richard got saved. When he got saved, his wife didn't want nothing more to do with him. 
because she loved that high life, elitist party life. She liked being somebody. She did not like the reproach that came with following Jesus. And she told him so. The party come up. Richard says, we're going. Well, she said, I don't think you want to go. You're a Christian. We're going. They get to the party and everybody's drinking and drinking and they're more drinking and they're going crazy and they're saying stupid stuff and they're acting crazy and they're drinking and drinking. And she pretty soon she gets nervous because Richard, her husband, is a saved Christian and he's with her. And she says, uh, Richard, I think we need to go. No, he said, this is what you say you want. We're staying for the party. And it got worse and it got worse and debauched or debauched and the drunkenness and the filth and the nastiness. And finally, you know what she did? She turned to Richard, her husband, and said, let's go home. I want to be baptized. I'm a believer in Jesus Christ. Amen. And you'd have thought, oh, that's wonderful. They got saved. Now everything's lovely. No, it wasn't. He started preaching. And the communist arrested him. Eight years in prison. They told his wife, your husband's dead. He died in prison. They sent other prisoners to tell her that he was dead. He wasn't dead at all. They lied to her. You know what they're trying to do? Get her to marry another man. Yeah. And we won't, even, we won't even stand up in the workplace. We won't do nothing that takes, brings reproach on us. I remember, I remember doing auctions and back way, way back. Lord put on my heart to, on, on all of our bidding cards. And I'm, by God's sweet grace, I did a lot of business. And I'm talking about multiplied tens of thousands of these cards went out. And Lord put on my heart to put a verse on it. I was like, mm, Lord, you know, everybody gets one of those. Yeah, I know. Everybody comes up and registers one of those. Yeah, I know. I mean, Lord, they might think I'm religious or something. That'd be the problem, wouldn't it, Reggie? Well, 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 Lord, they might think I'm trying to, watch this, push my religion off on them. Well, I mean, you, it's amazing what you can come up with to, to wiggle out, to coward out, to punk out. And finally, I surrendered. I said, Lord, what are you on the Philippians chapter 2? That in the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that he is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And I put that on my cards. And let me just tell you something. God's always took care of me. There was people who didn't like it. It was too bad. Amen. He forsook Egypt. This is what happened. He refused and he chose. And then it says he esteemed. And then in verse 27, he forsook Egypt. No, ho, 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 ho. He forsook Egypt. He left the palace. He left the possessions. He left the pleasure. He left the power. And he left the temporary peace. With his decisions, dedication came and determination came in faith. And he walked away from it all. He forsook Egypt's world, its religions, its false gods, its worship, its ways. And by the way, Egypt had all kinds of false gods. That's what some of the plagues were about. He forsook its education system. He forsook its monetary situations, its fads and its fashions, its philosophies, its thinkings, its goals and its ambitions. It forsook this go along to get along attitude. Moses said, I refuse to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, and I will not be a child of the devil of this world. If Moses had not refused and chosen and esteemed and forsook the world, you, watch this, you would have never heard of him. That ought to tell you something. 
He would have washed out on the sea of humanity and you and I would have never known of him. I want to ask you something today. Are you a son of Pharaoh's daughter? You will say, Reggie, I've been baptized. I didn't ask you that. I ask you, are you a son of Pharaoh's daughter? Are you a coward? Are you a people pleaser? You're a glad hander, glad hander and a backslapper. You know what's wrong with American pulpits and churches? We've got too many sons of Pharaoh's daughter pulling pulpit. They're worried about nickels and noses, not souls. They're worried about nickels and noses, not whether it's the truth or not. Conform to this world. If you're a son of Pharaoh's daughter, you're not a man. I want to talk to you men a minute. If you're a son of Pharaoh's daughter, you're not a man yet. I don't care if you're 70 years old. A man follows Christ unreservedly, unashamedly, whatever the results may be. In fact, if you're a son of Pharaoh's daughter, you're a slave. You're not free. You'll spend your life on your knees and your hands folded, telling the world to please accept me. Please like me. I'll do what you want. I'll act like you want. I'll look like you want me to look. I'll dress like you want me to dress. I'll appear like you want me to appear. I'll talk like you want me to talk. You tell me I will do it because I want your approval. And then it says this in verse number 27. By faith, he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king. By the way, you need God to take the fear of man out of you. Amen. Quit being afraid of what everybody thinks about you. Yeah. For he endured. Circle that in your Bible. He endured. How did he endure? As seeing him who is invisible. It's one thing to say you're a Christian, that you follow Christ, it's another thing to do it. Your faith will be tested. And I want to tell you some flat out truth here today. Just well to hear it now as you hear it at judgment. The Bible says that God will test your faith. He'll try your faith to see whether you be in the faith. To see whether you're truly a Christian or not. And you know what the Bible teaches? That if you're not, the sow will return to her wallow. And the dog will return to his vomit. You'll profess for a while to follow Jesus Christ until it brings reproach on you, until it doesn't all turn out like you thought it should, until God hadn't blessed you like you think he's supposed to bless you when you got saved. And everything goes south and you lose friends and family and everything else goes south. Then all of a sudden that trial of faith, it, found, it, it discovered who you are and who you're not. God says he endured as seeing him who is invisible. You have got to see him who you cannot see. And the only way you can see Christ in the visibility is through the word of God by faith. It's not by visions on Saturday night. It's by seeing him in the word of God. And God said that's how you'll endure is by seeing him who is invisible. Seeing him. You've got to see him. Faith in the word of God. See Christ, not religion. See Christ, not Reggie. See Christ, not church life. See Christ, not other people. See Christ, not your circumstances. See Christ, not the disappointments and the sorrows of life. By seeing Jesus Christ, you will endure. Let me say something to you. But when I was 28 years old, I was a son of Pharaoh's daughter. I thought like the world, talked like the world, dressed like the world, looked like the world, acted like the world, listened to the world, music, listened to the world's entertainment, watched it all, and conducted myself like the world. And I wanted to be a son of Pharaoh's daughter. I was what the Bible called in Romans chapter 12, conformed to this world. But I want to tell you something I knew. I'd walk into church Sunday morning, and it, Seemed like it was dead because I was dead. 
But it just seemed like, I'm just going to be honest with you, it just seemed like preachers wouldn't preach on sin. And they just kind of danced around and said a nice little sermon and everybody went home and went out by the truck and leaned up against the truck and talked and we all went our merry way, went back to our Pharaoh life, our Egyptian life. And I begin to think, if Christianity, if the Bible's true and God's real, it's everything. If hell's real, this thing's everything. Or it's nothing. And at 28 years of age, come to years. And you know what I said? I'm not playing this game no longer. <coughs> I'm not playing possum to get more business and to have more friends. And to say I go to church and to be able to talk a little bit religious if somebody really did love the Lord. And I said, I'm either done or I'm in. Now, you've got to keep in mind something. God had called me to preach when I was 18 years of age. And I was fighting that. But it was in this total realm of that thing that I was trying to decide, is this thing real or is it not? Because if it is real, it's everything. It's not just a little Sunday morning issue. And all of these other issues of life that's going on, the sin, the wickedness, man, people are dying and going to hell. If the Bible's true, most everybody I know is lost. And they're going to bust hell wide open with me. And I'm telling you, God, by his grace, enabled me to refuse. But here's what I knew. I was in bondage to the world. You see, Moses was not a free man as long as he was the son of Pharaoh's daughter. The world will try to make you think that you're in charge, you're free, and you're, you've got it together when you don't. You're a child of Satan and under his bondage. If you say, well, I'm not, I challenge you then to start obeying the Bible unless you see how much bondage you're in. I knew this. Not only was I in bondage, not only was I not free, I was a conformist to the world. I was, a, I was controlled by the world and I was conditioned by the world. I bowed down to how they told me to dress. If they said wear elevated shoes, I bought elevated shoes. If they said wear cowboy boots, I wore cowboy boots. If they said wear <laughs> whatever the fad was. Yeah. Let me go see what the latest fad is. When, when the Beatles come over and the world said, grow your hair long. Yes, I'll do it, please. I'll, I'll grow my hair. I won't, go, I won't walk into class without my hair long. I promise you, I'll be what you want me to be. Do you, so, do you realize something this morning that many people sitting in this church, and I want to tell you something, I love you. I'm not beating nobody over the head. I am talking from my heart. You are in slavery today right now. Yeah. But you know the sad part about it is? A slave can learn to love his own chains. The safety and security of your chains. God could unlock the chain on your soul this morning and you'd sit there. So on a Sunday night, January the 24th, 1982, And I don't know how to explain it, but the Spirit of the living God came to me and upon me. And God saved me that night and gave me grace to surrender. And he set me free. 
And I will never, if I live to be a thousand years old, will never forget the sense of freedom that came that night. Because I said I will no longer bow my knees to the fads and the fashions and the demands of this lost, hell-bound, wicked world. I am done being the son of Pharaoh's daughter. I am now a son of God. I am now a son of the living, eternal God of the Bible. I will not cave. By God's grace, I will not compromise. And I will not be controlled by this world. Let me just tell you something this morning. When you're not a son of Pharaoh's daughter, I am not. Are you listening to me? I am not crawling on my hands and knees over here to the public school to be accepted by them. Those who call my Savior a liar. I am not crawling over on my hands and knees and say, I am not selling my soul and my Savior out for a seat at a a school board meeting. You're listening to me? I am not owned by them. They were taking me to hell. And I am not crawling on my hands and knees to get a position to sit on some stupid Baal Temple school board under the pretense that I'm going to be salt and light. Well, if that's what's working, it hasn't worked very good for the last 60 years, my friend. I'm not selling my soul and my Savior out in my vanity of watching my children play their stupid ball game so I can look around and see who, who, who's looking at me about my, my girl making that volleyball point. Are you listening? Somebody wants to know, Reggie, how come so many people come and go to this church? This is why. This is why. I'm not, I'll tell you something God helped me with. You preachers, listen to me. I am not crawling on my hands and knees, Brother Lutz, down to the Southern Baptist Convention to ask if I can have a church to pastor. Amen. I'm not calling to the Free Will Baptist Church, the Assemblies of God, the Nazarenes, and asking them if I can preach the Word of God or not. Know what I'm talking about? They'll have you on your hands and knees with your hands like this, saying, please, please, please find me a church where I can pastor and I can be comfortable and have a little salary in a house and and be liked by everybody, and I'll make sure I don't preach anything out of line with what you tell me to. I promise you I won't. Yep. So there it is. You're sweating under your arms right now? Is it hot in here to you? You look a little uncomfortable? We need to be. God deliver us from our comfortableness. Amen. Not crawling on my hands and knees for some political party. I'm not crawling on my hands and knees for the Republican Party, Amen. much less the Democrat. Yeah. I'm not, God being my help, I'm going to crawl on my hands and knees for a dollar bill or a job. I'm not going to crawl in fear and favor of men, the boss, the union, or anybody else. Did you hear me? I said the boss and the union. Amen. I don't think I said that loud enough. I'm not crawling to you, union thugs. I'm a free American. Amen. Yep. If I want to work somewhere, I ought to be able to work there. Amen. Right, man. I don't need your slip. 
Nothing but a mafia. Oh, yeah, but they, you can't imagine all they've done for us. Yeah, as long as, yeah, as long as they feed you the dog food, you'll jump and bark for it. Yeah. But you won't be free. I'm not crawling to be accepted by the religious rules of the independent fundamental Baptist. Amen. I think they're the most doctrinally straight group I know of, as Bible doctrine, but I think they're probably the most off group I know of about their spirituality. Now, I love all you guys, but you don't call me to preach anyway, so I ain't worried about it. <laughs> and I ain't wanting to come either. <laughs> fundamental, I'm fundamentalist. I'll beat you to death with the Bible. Yep. Let's just talk a while. I want to find some point I disagree with you on. Yep. Come on. Yep. We're going to have us a church split, bless God. Get up behind the pulpits. I've heard them guys get up behind the pulpits and brag. I ran 40 of them off last week. Oh, did you really? Yeah. How stupid. Yeah. I said that at a camp meeting one time, and I never guarantee that was the last time I ever preached there. <laughs> I don't try to run anybody off. Amen. God builds his church. It's not for me to run somebody off. That's right. Now, I, people leave. <laughs> they didn't like something. I don't blame them. I, I told my wife this week I wouldn't go to church where I was pastoring. <laughs> Can't stand myself. Amen. I was with you. But I'd rather be free in Christ. I'm not worried about your name tag. Amen. I'm not worried about your denominational statement. I want to know what this Bible say. Amen. And I want to have a good spirit about it too, amen. amen. When I say you ought not do dump, I want to tell you I love you and you ought to quit that garbage. Yeah. Amen. amen, have a good spirit about it. I'm not into this lift myself up above you and think I'm somebody because I don't do what you do. I tell you, if it wasn't for the grace of God, I'd be screaming in the bowels of hell right now if it wasn't for the mercy of Almighty God. Amen. I'm telling you right now, in truth today, who in this congregation, who listening online in deed and heart and mind and music and conduct and dress and appearance, are you honestly and really a child of Pharaoh's daughter? <laughs> Have you ever refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter? Have you ever chosen to suffer affliction? <laughs> I'm just thinking right now, I remember you was preaching on compromise the other night. Boy, old Moses. Now, old Moses, we talked about Moses today, right? Moses, when he got ready to take the children of Israel out, you know what Pharaoh said? No, no, wait just a minute, Moses. Yeah. You guys want to kill your lambs and put that blood on the door and have your little deal help yourself, but that wilderness, that's dangerous. Four compromises he made to them. Yeah. One of the biggest ones, he said, well, if you're going to go out there and worship, leave your kids here. You see, I'm going to tell you something. Can I tell you, Mom and Daddy, something? The devil really doesn't mind you too much coming to church here as long as he, you let him have your children. Amen. There was all kinds of other stuff he, he did. But I got to think, we, we got ready to start this Christian school. And next thing I know, I mean, we hadn't even started doing anything yet. And I got a phone call from the superintendent of schools over here. Reg, you, you need to come over and visit with me. Okay, what about? Well, I just want to talk to you. Meet me down at the bus barn. 
Got down to that old bus barn, had an old pot belly stove in there and wood there and all kind of had a nice little bus seat there. Sit down, Red, sit down, Red. How I hear you're going to start a Christian school over thinking about it. I said, yeah, you don't need to do that. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to set it up so you can have Bible classes over here at school. I said, well, that's off gracious of you, but I said, that's not what God told me to do. It's the only problem with that. You trying to get me to do something God doesn't want me to do? Well, no, 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 not that. And he just kept on and kept on and kept throwing this bait out and that bait out and this bait out. And finally, I just got him. I said, no, I said, God's told us to start school. That's what I'm going to do. I said, you know, I'm, I ain't nobody. I ain't, I ain't graduated from college. In fact, I'm a college dropout. But God will make a way. Yeah. Well, here's what I'm telling you. The world will try. If you won't go come crawling, then they'll come trying to get you to compromise. Are you crawling today? Are you compromising today? Have you sold out to Christ? They tell you not to pray, you're not praying. They tell you not to give out a track, you're not giving it out. They tell you to shut your mouth, you're going to shut it. This is what's wrong with Christianity. Mr. Wombrum, Richard, was told by the Communist Party officials, shut your mouth about Jesus Christ. He said, I've got to preach the gospel. He's walking to his church. Car pulled up alongside him. Secret police jumped out. Opened the door up, grabbed him, and threw him in the back of that communist secret police car. And he never saw his family for eight years. Because he refused to shut up. He, re- he chose to suffer affliction with the people of God. He esteemed the reproach of Christ greater riches than the pleasures of Egypt. Amen. This is what America is going to have to have. This is the day we've got to have it. Amen. This is the day right now. And it starts with you. You know, that night I went forward, to be honest with you, I didn't know nothing. I just said, Lord, I'm throwing up the white flag and I'm surrendering. That's it. I didn't know nothing. I didn't go up to, bless God, I'm going to be a preacher. Bless God, I'm going to take a stand. No. <laughs> bless God, I'm just going to do what you told me to do. I didn't, I'll be honest with you, I'm glad God didn't tell me where, where the road was going to lead. Because I'd have ran out the back door of that church. I'd have ran down the hill to my house, turned on the TV, and act like it wasn't. God didn't talk to me at all. What are you going to do this morning? I want the penis to come. We're going to have an invitation time. First of all, let me say something to you. You're here today and you're not saved. You know probably why you're not saved? It's because you're a chicken. You love your sin. Come on. You're just as worldly as you can be and you know it. You don't stand for anything. Especially if you think it's going to bring a little reproach to you. Some of your friends might not like it. You, You know, I'm telling you the truth. Oh, Brother Lonnie, bless God, could I ever go to Camp Joy and act like I was spiritual? Quiet in this church house. But you leave camp. By the time school started, right back 
please, please accept me here in school. Please, all my friends. Do I, do I need to grow my hair longer? Do I need to act more stupid? Do, do I need to drink? Do I need to dope? Do I need to, what do I need to do to make you like me? What about you this morning? He said, man, you're crazy. You know I'm crazy. I'm free. I am free in Christ. Not free to do anything I want to do. I'm free in the liberty wherewith he hath made me free. There's a song that my father-in-law loved. It's called this. I'd rather have Jesus. Could you guys put that up? Possibly. I'd rather have Jesus. Don't have that. Okay. Could you, could you begin to play that a little bit? I want you to think about something. The song says, I'd rather have Jesus than silver and gold. I'd rather have Jesus than riches untold. And let me tell you what's going to save America. It's not going to be Congress. It's not going to be Supreme Court. It's not going to be Donald Trump and the presidency. It's going to be when God's people say, I refuse to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. And I'm going to choose the reproach of Christ more than the love of this world. I want you to listen to your Bible. Friendship with the world is enmity with God. Whosoever, therefore, will be the friend of the world is the enemy of God. Love not the world, neither the things of this world. Jesus said, you're in this world, but you're not of this world. Do you know why we aren't seeing missionaries go in the mission field? Love this world. You know why men, young men aren't surrendering to preach and have a heart for God? Because they love this world. But he esteems some things to be of greater value. Now I want you to know something. I'm about done. God's been so good to me. For 40 years, he sustained me through my stupidity and my failures and my mistakes. And he'll be good to you. All he asks you to do is have a heart to say, God, I love you more than I love my wife. I love you more than I love my kids. I love him, Lord, but not more than you. I love my friends, Lord, but I don't love them more than you. Lord, I belong to you. And out of love, Lord, I want to serve you, not out of duty. Duty's fine, but it won't take you through the storms. Love will. Lord, I I love my family, but not more than I love you. And I'm going to tell you something right now. It's going to cost, salvation's free. But when you say, I will no longer be a son of Pharaoh's daughter, it's going to cost you way more than you dreamed. And intuitively, you know it down inside your heart. You know it. It's going to cost you more than you really want to pay. But that song says, I'd I'd rather have him than anything. If you're here today and you're lost, I beg you in Jesus' name to understand something. That the Son of God, Jesus Christ, died for you, shed his blood for you, bear your sin in his own body on the cross. And by simple faith in him, God saves you doesn't cost you anything. You can't buy it and merit it. God will save you. If you're listening online or wherever you may be right now, I beg you, bow your head before God and say, God, be merciful to me, a sinner.
Maybe you're here today and you say, Reggie, I'm saved. I honestly am, but I've been a son of Pharaoh's daughter long enough. And I'm done. And whatever it costs me in the way of friends, family, fortune, power, position, anything. Let me just tell you something. Before very long, the trumpet of God's going to sound. We're going to stand before the throne of Almighty God. You can't wrap your head, your mind around what that's going to be. But I can tell you this. To the degree that you have surrendered and obeyed the Lord and just in simple faith walked with Him, you're going to be happy that day. And and to the degree you haven't, it's not going to be a good day. God, I pray. Lord, all is vain unless the Spirit of the Holy One comes. And Lord, I've preached what you put on my heart. I've tried to preach it with all my heart. But dear God in heaven, unless you meet and move in the spirits of people, nothing of any value will be done. I pray God today do all that would glorify your holy, wonderful name. I pray our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed today. We sing a song, I surrender all, but do we? We sing, I'd rather have Jesus, but would we really? Have you esteemed the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt? Have you made up your mind that if it costs you everybody and everything, that you're still going to serve God? That you're not going to cow down? You're not going to worship this world and you're not going to cave and compromise all the junk they want you to. And you're not going to do every whim they say to do. You're going to walk with God in his word. I I would to God that you get up out of that seat this morning and say, God, I want to be a free man. I'm done with the bondage of what my buddies think, my friends think, my families think. God, I'm coming to you. I want you to come right now up out of your seat and say, God, I'm refusing. I will no longer be called son of Pharaoh's daughter. Would you come right now, just up and out of your seat all over this building, I want you to come. I want to say, God, I'm going to esteem your reproach greater than the treasures in Egypt. God bless you there and God bless you there and there. Come on, obey the Holy Spirit this morning. Please obey the Holy Spirit of God. Say, Lord, I want to be a Christian out and out and through and through. And I want my profession of faith to be real. I'm not looking to be somebody I'm not looking to get noticed. I'm not trying to make a scene. But God, I really do in all honesty. I want to be ruled by you and not by this world. I want to be ruled by you and not by Egypt. I want to be ruled by you. Would you come? Come on. Would you come? God bless you there. God bless you. Go up. God bless you. Others, you need to come. The Holy Spirit of God is moving in your spirit. And he won't always do that. There's times in your life when the Spirit of God moves across the face of the deep. Would you come? Would you say like Joshua, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Would you say to Elijah, I won't halt any longer between the two opinions. I'm going to serve the Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God bless you there. Others, you need to come. A decision day is here. Choose you this day whom you will serve.
America's had enough of this half-cocked, fearful Christianity, of this compromising garbage that's going on. We've had enough of it. It's about to kill us as a nation. The answer is not in Washington, D.C. The answer is in your heart and in my heart, in this church and other churches. I tell you, we need to pray for churches. We need to pray for pastors. Pastors are wrestling in their souls. They're hurting. They're fighting. They want to be free, and yet they're bound. Would you come? Maybe you're here today, and God's called you to preach. Maybe you need to answer that call today and announce that call that God's called you to preach. Maybe God's called you to the mission field, and you need to settle it today and say, God, I surrender today, and I'm going to esteem the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt. I'm not going to linger much longer. I'm going to give you a chance to do business with God today. Would you come? Would you come? The only thing I'll say this to you is, in my personal, God bless you, young lady. In my personal experience, which don't mean a whole lot, I'm fearful what would have happened to me if I'd walked out of church that night my life would have been lost. I'd have lost my life trying to save it for myself. I'm so glad God gave me grace to say yes, Jesus. Let me tell you something. You can't be in a popularity contest and be approved of God all the time. You just can't do it. That don't mean you ought to try to make enemies and you ought to try to be mean and things like that. You can't follow God and make everybody like you. You know that's truth. Are we done? Is the Holy Spirit of God done? Has He done all that's going to be done here today in this building? Just a few more seconds. You need to come. I want you to get up out of your seat. Maybe you've not been right with God and you know it. You know it. And just, you just need to break loose. I'm telling you, there's something about a public invitation. I'm telling you, there is. Breaking loose. Just say, I'm done. Ain't going to be no hanging around. But I'm done. I'm coming all out for God. Breaking loose. Heavenly Father, Lord, I, I beg of you in Jesus' name, don't let the devil steal the word of God from people's hearts. But Lord, plant the seed of thy truth deeply within the souls. Lord, forgive me when I have been ashamed of you, when I've not done what's right, when I've sinned against you, God. Lord, I tell you, help us not to be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Lord, your word says that if we're ashamed of you before men, you'll be ashamed of us before the Father. I don't know, Lord, all that that entails, but it sure can't be good. Help us, Lord, as a church, not to be ashamed of our faith in Christ, of, Lord, the things that we believe that are from the Bible. Help us, God, not to bow down to this world. God, give us grace to stand for what's right, to be willing to lose friends and family, loved ones, God. Oh, God, not that we want. But I know, God, that you'll test us, you'll try us. Dear Lord, I ask you, please bless these people. 
bless them with liberty and truth and righteousness, mercy. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for your precious word. Without it, Lord, I'd be a blind man stumbling in the darkness, stumbling toward the pits of hell. I mean, Lord, I appreciate the Bible. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together. I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do tonight.